This is Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome everyone to the Sunday Brunch Show, attempt number two. This is Caleb DeMerchant. I'm here to talk to you today about teaching abroad. What are the pros and cons? In case you are already listening to the show, my name is Caleb DeMerchant. I will explain in a moment what happened. As many of you may have experienced, there's been some big windstorms here in the UK and some big problems with the internet and power. So I'm very sorry if you were listening to the previous show and now you will be listening to the new show. This is the second show. Sorry about that. We did have some technical difficulties. This My name is Caleb Merchant. This is a Sunday Talk Brunch Radio, Show on Teachers and Talk you Radio. You are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Anyways, I'm sorry, everyone. We had a bit of technical difficulties. This is our second attempt today at the Sunday Brunch Show. Of course, we've been having massive windstorms and massive uh, issues here in the UK with power. That's me losing my power for the second time in two days. I had no power on Friday. I had barely any power on Saturday, about uh, half the day. And then today, we're having a bit of a flicker. So sorry about that if you were listening to the show and we got cut off. My name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. Sorry about the technical difficulty again. We'll have an hour show today. That's what we'll just have to do. So my name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And today we're talking about teaching abroad. Now, I got a little bit interrupted. I was halfway through my kind of ramble there. And I'm going to go back to talking about that. Again, my name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard to get involved in the conversation. You can get involved in the conversation at the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page. And you can find me on my own personal, tw- uh, sorry, on my own personal Facebook, if you'd like to find me there as well. Again, this is Caleb DeMerchant. This is the Sunday Brunch Show, and this is Teachers Talk Radio. Again, we're talking about teaching abroad. What are the pros? What are the cons? What are some ways people can get into teaching abroad? I'm going to quickly kind of reduce what I was talking about before, which is my experiences of teaching abroad. In case you haven't t- tuned in the show before, my name is Caleb DeMerchant. I am from Canada originally. I taught in the UK now for about eight years, and I was a teacher in China for about a year and a half. So I have some experience teaching abroad, I would say. I was also, when I was a teacher in Canada, I taught an ESL course. So I worked with ESL. I know today we say EAL, which is definitely more appropriate, but this this was called an ESL course. So let me tell you my experiences. I was telling you about before I got interrupted again, though, last time I'll mention it, uh, we had a little bit of technical difficulty again, flicker of the power, things went a bit haywire here, but everything's all good. We're back. We're back live again. We'll have an hour show today. So I was talking about how when I was a kid, I really wanted to teach abroad. I always wanted to teach in England specifically. So I worked towards becoming a teacher in England. That's what I always kind of wanted to do was become a teacher in England. Um, I thought about being a lawyer too. So I was torn between me either becoming a lawyer or becoming a teacher. I then had to choose what I wanted to do in university. So I did my honors in English. I did a major in philosophy and I have a concentration in drama. Because to be a teacher in Canada, to qualify, it's quite competitive. About 300 people to 400 people might apply for a course of only 90 positions. So you have to kind of put yourself above and beyond other people who might be wanting to become teachers too. So I had to apply. My GPA was quite good. I had a 3.5 GPA out of a perfect 4.0. That's basically to become a teacher, you have to be between a 3.5 and a 4.0. So I just made, just made it, made it in, wanted to become a teacher. So I thought to myself, uh, I'd like to be a teacher in Canada someday. So uh, maybe I get some experience abroad and one day move back to Canada. Now that's obviously not what happened, but that's just the way it goes, I guess. I, you know, I wanted to go back to Canada, but I've made a good life here. I've been very happy. I get to have this wonderful radio show for all of you. I am a, a tutor right now at the University of Bedfordshire for drama and for music. You can, of course, join us there. If you're not quite a teacher yet and you're thinking about doing training, please join us at the University of Bedfordshire. We have a great program, uh, you know, great program. We have teachers all across London that we offer lots of things. I won't get into that right now, but please do apply for us. If you'd like to ask some questions, you of course can email me or someone at the University of Bedfordshire. Again, if that's what you'd like to get into a teaching course, the University of Bedfordshire offers a wonderful primary and PGCE course. My name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. 
the Sunday Brunch Show. Today we're talking about the pros and cons of teaching abroad. You can find me on Twitter at underscore, sorry, KDM underscore Drama Wizard. And yeah, we, sorry about the technical difficulties. You know, these things happen. We have bad wind all week here in the UK, really. It's been really amping up to yesterday and today where we had, you know, over almost 100 miles per hour wind. So it's been it's been quite crazy, obviously, and uh, power's been cutting in and out and so on and so forth. So how did I become a teacher abroad? Well, I applied to become a teacher. I went to a jobs fair and I had to apply for that jobs fair. So I went in and I looked all at all the different booths. You know, they have different booths. Come teach here, come teach there. And one of the booths was to become a teacher in China with the company that I ended up working for. I did an interview and they asked me right after the interview, would you like to be a teacher in China? Now, funny story, I had already accepted a job as being a teacher in England because if you weren't listening a moment ago before the show got cut off, I was telling you about how difficult it is to actually obtain a teaching job in Canada. You have to do so many things to become a teacher in Canada. You have to have a perfect GPA. You have to have multiple teachables. So, for example, I have a teachable in social studies. That's history, philosophy, geography. I also have a teachable in EAL, in English, and in drama. So I have lots of teachables. To be a teacher, you have to have a secondary teacher. Even you have to have about, I'd say, three to four teachables. Uh, and then you got to kind of get, they say, get your foot in the door, which is a really fancy way of saying uh, some kinds of nepotism, I think. But yeah, that's just the way it is. Uh, so I applied to become a teacher at a school in the UK. I got accepted to a school in Southampton. I also got accepted to a school in China. So I had to make a big decision. What am I going to do? Am I going to work in China or am I going to work in England? And I kind of weighed out the two. And this is something you have to do if you want to be a teacher abroad. What do both of the companies offer that I've been accepted for? So England was offering me a very good paying job, a little bit better pay than in China. But I, in China, I was offered a place to live. I was offered free travel expenses. I was offered, you know, um, three meals a day. So I got a breakfast because this is just kind of the culture in China when it comes to being a teacher in some of the schools you get offered three three square meals a day, which is very helpful when you're living abroad. And we'll get into talking about it in a moment that one thing you have to do to be a teacher abroad is not just to teach, but to learn to adapt to the culture. To be, You have to be a very adaptable person. You have to learn to kind of work around the parameters of a situation. You have to be a self, kind of a self-reliant person. You can't be a person who relies on others. You have to be able to do it on your own bootstraps, so to speak. So when I decided to be a teacher, those were kinds of the things that I had to consider. Am I, what am I going to get out of being the teacher in both of these places? And I ended up choosing China for another reason. My, my province, so I'm from the province of New Brunswick in Canada, they offered for me to go there and teach their curriculum, which would one day help me to become a teacher, hopefully in Canada. That was the hope, at least. Um, that never came to fruition again. So I got a job there. I was in Guiyang, which is in the south of China. And the first thing I experienced when I went there is how wonderful the people of China were to me. Everyone in China I met was very nice, very kind, really, really happy that I was there, uh, really welcoming. Everyone wanted to come up and meet me because, you know, it's not like Beijing. They don't get foreigners all the time. So they were really ex excited to have a teacher who is from another place, but also excited people on the street generally were really excited to meet me. So I worked in Guiyang in a school called... Concord College of Sino China in Guiyang. So that's where I worked. GCSE or something like that was the abbreviation, kind of like the GCSEs over here. Kind of helps me remember that. So I became a teacher there. I taught English and I taught history. So some people have the conception that when you're a teacher abroad, you're only going to teach English. That the only thing you can do if you're an English teacher abroad is teach English. Well, that's not exactly true. I also taught history. So I taught uh, ancient history, uh, ancient medieval history, it's called back home. That was the name of the course. And that's what I taught because I had a qualification to teach that in Canada. And our school was a Canadian school and taught the Canadian pro um, provincial standard. I taught the history subject there as well. So I became kind of like the de facto head of history for, for that school in my first year. It was very difficult, you know, getting used to being abroad, getting used to being a teacher. I'd never been a teacher before. And, you know, getting used to running a program because I had to kind of come up with a curriculum and, and do all these things. But, you know, I took everything on kind of the chin and that kind of helped me, I think, to, to get there. So I took that job. 
And one night I was lucky enough to go to, it was called a bar, but they're not really like bars. They're more like lounges, I would say. They don't, they don't always even serve alcohol. I met my wife there uh, at this bar. It was called Helen's, which is a very famous foreign kind of gathering place in China. It's where a lot of the expatriates go, the expats. And I met my wife there. I was lucky enough to meet her. And where was she from? Well, she was from Yorkshire. And we got together. And then, yeah, I said, well, it'd be nice to move to England after we'd worked there for about a year and a half. I decided she had to go back to England for to see her grandmother and things like that, family issues. So I said, you know what? I can move back with you to England. I'll finish up my year here in China and I'll move there. So that's what I did. So then I faced the really big issue of trying to get a visa whilst being Canadian in China. That was very difficult for the UK, let me tell you. I had to go to meetings in China. I had to go to meetings when I returned in Toronto, which is about a two-hour flight from me in Canada. So I had to make a special trip just to get that. And me and my wife went there together. She came to Canada and we worked through that together, which was really wonderful. She got to experience a couple months in Canada. And then, yeah, I got approved for my visa, moved to the UK. And I've been a teacher here. I got a job through Engage Education. Shout out to them. They're quite a good place if you're looking to get a job in the UK. If you're listening from abroad, that's one of the really great places where you can get a job. So shout out to Engage Education. They helped me get that job at a school here in the UK. I worked there for a few years. And now I work at the University of Bedfordshire. So I got to live out my dream of becoming a teacher, working abroad, living in England. And, you know, I was really happy to be able to do that. A big reason I chose to work abroad, and especially in England, is my grandmother's family was from the United Kingdom, and she used to talk very fondly about England and about the United Kingdom. She really got me excited about coming there. So that's that's my story. That's how I was a teacher abroad, a little bit about who I am. So again, my name is Caleb Merchant. This is the Th- Sunday Brunch Show. Sorry for our technical difficulties. You can follow us on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard. You can follow us on, of course, the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page, or you can talk to us here on the Podbean app. If you'd like to call in live, please do call in. I'd love to hear from someone. And I think we're going to cut to our lovely sponsors and to our commercial breaks and things of that nature, our news report. So please, thank you for listening. We're going to have a short show today, only one hour. So we're going to cut to that now. And then when we come back, we're going to cut to a newspaper article. Thank you for listening. My name's Caleb Merchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. Our topic today is teaching abroad. What are the pros? What are the cons? What do you like about teaching abroad? If you currently teach you abroad, please do call in. My name's Caleb Merchant. This is the Podbean app. We are live here, of course. We're on Twitter. You can find me at KDM underscore Drama Wizard. You can get involved in the conversation there. What do you think? You could find me on my personal Facebook. So, yeah, we're going to cut to our lovely sponsors now. Thank you for listening. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.withaslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, We'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future.
This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following reports earlier this week of the UCAS announcement that 2020 to 2021 saw a surge in applicants to university from students from disadvantaged backgrounds, one of Greater Manchester's universities revealed data showing that nearly 99% of its students last year fell into one or more of the five core underrepresented groups. In a report in the Manchester Evening News, the University of Bolton highlights figures showing that last year, 28% of applicants were from disadvantaged areas, up from 17% in 2013. University bosses say that these figures show that the university is helping students climb the social and economic ladder. The university's Vice-Chancellor, Professor George E. Holmes, said the University of Bolton is proud to have one of the most diverse and inclusive student populations in the UK. Widening participation projects take place across the UK and are designed to improve access, success and progression for underrepresented groups in higher education. The Birmingham Live News website reports on Birmingham City Council's leaders' plea to leave Trojan Horse in the past. It follows calls by the Muslim Council of Britain, as well as teachers and governors, for a public inquiry into events that unfolded in Birmingham schools in 2014, after concerns were expressed that the events caused lasting and negative impact on local Muslims and perceptions of their faith. There are also calls for a public apology to those caught up in the affair. Trojan Horse was the name given to an alleged plot by hardline Islamists to take over some Birmingham schools. The alleged plot was revealed by the Birmingham Mail after an anonymous letter claimed dirty tricks were being used to oust non-Muslim staff from city schools. Four separate inquiries were launched at the time, including probes by Birmingham City Council, the Department for Education and Ofsted. No evidence of extremism or of a plot were found. Birmingham City Council's Deputy Leader, Councillor Bridget Jones, in charge of city schools in 2014, says the city has long since moved on whilst others claim the issue is unresolved and that investigations at the time were rooted in Islamophobia. The issue has been raised again following a podcast by the New York Times probing the origins of the letter which kick-started the investigations. In the Channel Island of Guernsey, plans for a new sixth-form centre and the closing of one of the island's state high schools have been delayed by a year. The new secondary model had been due to start by September 2024 but the Committee for Education, Sport and Culture said the decision to delay was made after talking to the construction industry. Education President Andrea Dudley-Owen said in a BBC News report, it's more important that we get it right rather than rushing to meet an arbitrary deadline. It is another delay for parents, pupils and staff on what has been a decade-long process of transforming secondary education on the island, a process that has seen promises made by committees which have then not come to fruition. In a research paper published on the FIS.org website, it suggested that pre-primary education played a protective role against COVID learning losses in sub-Saharan Africa. In a study of more than 2,600 children in Ethiopia, researchers found that among pupils who entered primary education immediately after schools reopened, learning losses were far less severe if they had been in pre-primary education prior to the pandemic. The learning deficit among children without pre-primary experience was four times greater. However, the study also shows that pre-primary education was also the most neglected part of the Ethiopian government's COVID education response. Full details of the study can be found on the FISORG website. The study was commissioned through the World Bank's Early Learning Partnership and undertaken by the University of Cambridge, Addis Ababa University and the Ethiopian Policy Studies Institute. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, it's Safe Internet Week with the official day being on Tuesday the 8th of February. This year, the UK Safer Internet Centre is questioning whether gaming online is all fun and games. They ask young people to explore respect and relationships in online gaming. A lot of schools may be having drop-down days and you may be expected to deliver an online safety lesson. This is great, but are you confident in your knowledge? There's nothing worse than having to teach a lesson out of your comfort zone, especially when you're discussing a topic where the learners may know more than the teacher. Saferinternet.org.uk 
the brains behind Safer Internet Day, have come to the rescue with a series of films under the heading of Virtual Assemblies on their website. Starting with a story about in-app purchases getting out of hand for 3 to 7 year olds, and then for 7 to 11 and 11 to 18s having a discussion on online behaviour and respect. This resource is informative and will allow those of us that are less confident to play the film and facilitate a discussion. As always, if you're going to use an online resource, make sure you've watched it first to make sure it's appropriate for your pupils. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Okay, and welcome back. My name's Caleb Merchant. This is the Sunday Brunch Show. Welcome back to our show today. Our show today is on teaching abroad. What are the pros? What are the crons? That's what we're talking about. Of course, we had a little bit of a tech issue earlier today, so this show will be cut a little short. My name is Caleb Merchant. You can get involved in the Podbeam app. You can call us there. You can call us on, sorry, you can write to us rather on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard or at the Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page. You can find me on Facebook, my own private Facebook, if you'd like to message me on there. If you're a friend or a family member of mine, and I think that's a good opportunity to cut to there. I have a really great response from Facebook I would like to read from a friend of mine named Brett. Of course, I'll never read anyone's first or last name or handle on here if I don't have to. So Brett wrote to me and said, I think it depends on the individual teaching abroad, he means. Obviously, people are free to go where they please, but maybe not every individual is good fit for teaching outside of their environment, which they were raised. I think that's a good point. Individuals that are intolerant of others' ways of thinking and others' cultures might cause more harm than good. Very good point there, Brett. But at the same time, there might be some merit for students having an early experience of being taught by someone who doesn't line up perfectly with their cultural values. And that's how it was for me, you know, growing up. I had a really, one of my favorite teachers growing up. He was a man who was from Montreal, but his father was from Haiti. So he was raised very much like a Haitian person. Mr. Charlotte, if you're out there, shout out to you. I hope that you hear this show today. And I just wanted to thank you, of course, for being one of my wonderful teachers. We should always thank our teachers, of course. And he taught me a lot of values that I wouldn't have learned from someone from my hometown, of course, small small town in Canada. I learned a lot of values from this gentleman coming in and being my teacher. So I have to agree with Brett on that. It's really great for someone to come in who's not a member of where you're from and teach you and kind of get you to think differently about things. So I thought that was a great comment from my friend Brett on Facebook. One of the best comments I've heard, actually, in regards to this that we had written to us. So great, Brett. Thank you very much. It was very articulate, very clear. And I have to agree, if you're an intolerant person, you won't have a good time being a teacher. Why would you even want to be a teacher? You won't enjoy it, obviously. Uh, so being intolerant to begin with must be, I would think, a terrible life. But also, you know, it would lead you to not having great opportunities, getting to see the world. You know, when I was in China, being a part of being a teacher abroad is you get to learn about that person's, their culture, you know. They get to learn about your culture. You have to be an expert on your culture because part of what they're paying for is we are ESL teachers. My, my TEFL teacher taught me that, you know, we are ESL teachers, EAL teachers, whatever you want to say. But we're also culture teachers. We're teaching them about what it's like to be from the West, to live in the West. So that one day they can come and work there or when they're doing business, they can better do business because they understand our culture. So sharing culture is a big, big, huge, massive part of being an ESL teacher, EAL teacher, whatever you want to say. When I was trained, it was called ESL. But of course, EAL is more appropriate because English as a second language, it might not be their second language. It might be an additional language, a language that they can speak as well. You know, I taught students in China who could speak Mandarin, Cantonese, English, a little bit of French, you know, and they were just young kids, 14 years old, doing their Jiao Cao examinations. So I got to learn all about their culture, the food of China. Amazing, of course, getting to learn about the holidays. Chinese New Year was a really great experience for me. I loved going and seeing Chinese New Year's with my future wife. So we traveled around China during the New Year's. You get a break then. It's the greatest migration of people on earth, they say, uh, in one country. So you have millions of people all moving around at the same time. And being from a town of 3,000 people, that was quite quite a culture shock, of course. And yeah, we went to, uh, let's see, we went to Xi'an, 
and we also went to Chengdu. So we went to Chengdu to see the pandas, and when we went to Xi'an because that was the former capital of China, and if you don't know, that's where the terracotta warriors are. So I got to experience all that, the the dragons on New Year's parading the streets and the sound and all oh, the fireworks were amazing. I remember one evening we got fireworks for over, you know, three or four hours. If you don't like fireworks, that might be difficult for you, but I, I quite like fireworks. So it was quite fun. And it's a cultural thing, you know, very much. Um, people even set off little firecrackers in the hallway to kind of get rid of the demons, you know, the ones that you throw. And that's kind of where that comes from. They believe it kind of gets rid of the bad spirits or the demons. It clears you out for the new year. And yeah, you, you're ready for a new time and a new year. So I really enjoyed my time in China, learning about their culture and teaching them about mine. Part of my course, of course, was I was the history uh, kind of expert at my school, if you will. So I taught the history to the students as well as English to the more senior students. I taught them history. So I taught them ancient medieval history. We learned about ancient Greece and Canada. Uh, I teach them about John Cabot and people like that in Canada as well, because many of them wanted to go to school and live in Canada. So I teach them all about our Canadian history and the history of the United States and the history of ancient Greece and medieval world. So that was a really great course. And some people get the conception, of course, again, that, that you're only going to teach English if you teach abroad. But, uh, you know, I got to teach other subjects as well, which was great for me. And I think now is the time to cut to one of our articles because, of course, we're not going to have as long a show today. So I'm going to play you an article. If you have never listened to the show before, I like to play an article to you read by my lovely wife because she has a much better voice than mine, I think. And she may argue that I have a better voice than her, but I think that she's definitely the winner. So I'm going to play an article from her. I hope you enjoy that article. Again, my name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio, the Sunday brunch show. Today we're talking about teaching abroad. What are the pros and the cons? And yeah, here's an article for us. Again, you can follow me at KDM underscore Drama Wizard. That again, you can follow me again on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard. You can find me on there and you can get involved in the conversation. Here's a little article for you all. I hope you enjoy it. University of South California. Six reasons you should teach abroad. Teaching English as a second language abroad is an opportunity that many instructors fail to consider, but it can be an extremely rewarding and unique experience. There are many factors that draw teachers to pack up their bags, hop on a plane bound for the other side of the planet and hold class before a group of unfamiliar faces speaking in foreign tongues. Here are six of those reasons. 1. The excitement of travelling. Many people long to go beyond the routine of their daily lives, to get out and see the world. Teaching abroad is one of the few professions that allows you to do that while maintaining a stable, fulfilling job. A position instructing in another country offers you the opportunity to travel to a land that people pay thousands of dollars to visit only for a few days on vacation. Instead, English language teachers working abroad resettle overseas for six months to a year or more, an arrangement that allows them to fully explore their host countries and their neighbouring nations. Many schools even aid foreign teachers in obtaining their visas. 2. Experiencing a different culture Similar to the way that most travellers only get to spend a short amount of time exploring their far-off destinations, they also get a brief opportunity to experience foreign cultures. And just as teaching abroad lets teachers better investigate new locations, it allows the instructor to become more fully immersed in the native culture. Working and living in a new place allows teachers to become integrated into society, enabling them to better understand different people and make new friends. Some schools even arrange for classes on language and local arts for their foreign teachers. What a better way to learn to relate to the increasing diverse group of pupils. Number three, compensation. Besides the educational rewards, teaching overseas comes with monetary benefits. Because pay fluctuates depending on the programme and nation, it is difficult to generalise about how much teachers instructing abroad earn. Most take-home tax-exempt salaries that are relatively more than what they would make teaching in the United States or elsewhere, allowing them to save $500 to $1,000 a month. Most live comfortably in their host nation with enough money to enjoy their free time on vacations. Large demand for English classes also means an extra income is usually abundant through taking on private students. Number four, benefits. Teaching abroad is almost always accompanied with a number of unique non-monetary benefits. Airfare is often particularly or fully reimbursed by the, by the school, accommodation in the form of either free 
of furnished housing or a housing allowance is usually provided. And without the burden of rent, English teachers working overseas often find that they are relatively more disposable income or savings. Furthermore, medical and other insurances is frequently provided by either the school or host nation. Vacation time during the winter around Christmas and during the summer is common as well. There's also prospects of cash bonuses. Number five, philanthropy. Education is valued not only for simply bestowing knowledge, but because education helps improve the individual's lot in life. English has become a primary medium of international business, media and culture. Learning English allows individuals to interact with the global community, increasing their ability to partake in the benefits of globalisation and understand nations beyond their own, thereby solidifying the bonds between different peoples. Thus English teachers working abroad serve a particular beneficial purpose. Because learning English comes with such advantages, English instructors abroad are not simply teaching someone another language, they are improving that person's lot in life while making the world a little more sympathetic through the existence of an international vernacular. And number six, broadening your own horizons and growing as a person. Aside from letting you discover the lands and cultures of other people, Teaching abroad also allows an individual to better understand and improve him or herself. The particulars of your own culture are better put into perspective against the context of a foreign society, letting you more fully realise who you are and where you come from. Besides such philosophical enlightenment, teaching abroad improves communication and social skills while reinforcing independence. Such an experience also glitters on a resume demonstrating you are a highly adaptable, self-sufficient individual, unafraid of risk and able to jump hurdles. Continuing on from this, the Search Associates article also agrees with many of these points. They also include support, becoming a part of a dynamic team of energised and highly competitive international teachers, continuing to excel and improve throughout support from parents, the board and a high level of faculty throughout your whole school. Hello everyone, welcome back. My name's Caleb Merchant, this is Teachers Talk Radio. Today we're talking about teaching abroad. What are the pros, what are the cons? What do you like about teaching abroad? What would you maybe think would be something you would like to do? Is that something you, you've considered in the past? Uh, we've talked a lot about the positives, the good things about teaching abroad. I just wanted to quickly go over some of the things that aren't bad. I wouldn't say they're bad, but misconceptions, let's say. So one of the misconceptions I think people have about teaching abroad is that the students are going to somehow be like these magical creatures that never do anything wrong, that never say anything wrong, that are just perfectly behaved all the time. And of course, being a part of a teacher's job is behavior management. That's a part of our job. It doesn't matter if you teach in England or Canada or anywhere else, you're going to have to deal with bad behaviors. That's the way it is. In China, I actually taught a behavior set and their behavior wasn't much different or or worse than a student in any other country, in my opinion. So to say, you know, that somehow students are going to be magic creatures that never do anything wrong, I think that's a big misconception people have about teaching abroad. And the second misconception I think people have is that you will magically become rich from teaching abroad. Um, you'll become rich in experience, and you may even make really good money, but to become rich as a teacher anywhere I think is a very difficult task. It's not something that's easily going to happen, is it? Not, with a lot, well, not without a lot of hard work. Now, they mentioned in that article that you can have tutoring classes and make extra money that way, plus you're teaching. And I mean, if you're willing to do the grind, as I say, to grind, you can make good money as a teacher abroad, I would say. I have a friend who runs a company and teaches abroad, and he makes fairly good money. He's very happy with the money that he's making. He's going to be a principal as well at a school eventually, I would imagine, in China. So he, you know, he's managed to work it out for himself. But you think you're going to magically make money if you go abroad and teach? Um, I think that's a bit of a misconception. Um, you won't just magically become rich from teaching abroad. So those are a couple of the misconceptions I think people have about teaching abroad. Also, if you go with the attitude that you know, this country is going to adjust to my values, to the way I see things, to the values of my country. You're going to have a really hard time, to be completely honest. You won't enjoy it. I mean, if you're going abroad, you should want to immerse yourself in the culture. You should want to eat the food. You should want to learn about their culture. And then vice versa, the students, they're going to want to learn about your culture. That's your opportunity to talk about who you are. 
you want to make a pizza and show it to some people, make it for your students and show it to them. They'll love it. I did that once and they absolutely loved it. You know, having a pizza, we, what I got them to do was sit down like a little pizza diner and I put a few different pizzas on the menu. I think, you know, pizzas we had prepared in advance and I, they ordered it in English and whatever they ordered is what they got. So if they said something kind of funny or obscure, we put that on the pizza and that was a really good, um, educational kind of lesson. It was a lesson that I did when I was in French immersion when I was a kid. You know, I did French when I was a kid. Not very good at it, but I did do it. And we had to order a pizza. So I got that idea from my French teacher growing up, you know. So getting them to order pizza and then get pizza is, is something really great. You can do something very tactile. We've got a hello here on Podbeam. Hello to you. It says hola. So this might be someone international. Nice to hear from you. And I think that we will now cut to Twitter for a moment. We had some good responses on Twitter, a little bit more than on the Facebook this week. You know, uh, we didn't have as much, people didn't have as much to say this week as they did last week. It's not really something every teacher faces, you know, going abroad. It's, it's It takes a rare person to be willing to take yourself and go abroad because like they said in the article, you're going to be more than likely gone for a multitude of years. You're not going to go, most people don't go for one year, you know. It's going to be multiple years that you go for. And yeah, you got to be really willing to immerse yourself in that culture, to enjoy your time there. And that will be the best experience for you, really. And I, I love my experience about teaching. You know, even coming to England, I wanted to say that very quickly before we cut to Twitter. You know, even coming to England was a culture shock for me. I had to adopt, adapt to the culture here, learn about the sports here, learn about the foods people like to eat here, the TV shows, like even commercials that people had growing up were different, you know. So that's a little bit about it's not going to be perfect when you teach abroad. So I'm just going to quickly play you a newspaper article. I hope you enjoy it. It's an article that I found, and I hope that you enjoy. Thank you very much for listening. This is Teacher Talk Radio. My name is Caleb Merchant. This is a Sunday brunch show. Thank you for listening. International Teaching Partnership. There are more than 4,300 British international schools operating internationally, making up over 45% of the international schools market. In the last six years, the number of international schools as a whole grew by 6%, totalling 450 new schools per year. A UK-style education is becoming increasingly valued by parents around the world. In turn, this is placing a huge demand for the skills and experience of UK teachers, with the British international school sector set up to require 230,000 more teachers over the next 10 years. The challenge for international schools is in attracting enough talented teachers who are interested in the adventure of working abroad. School leaders are responsible for ensuring the quality education provisions at their school. Research from the Council of British International Schools in partnership with the ISC research found that international schools are facing four major staffing challenges. 1. There will be more international schools requiring teachers. 2. There will be more students, therefore more classes. 3. There are recruitment and retention challenges within the UK and fewer people are choosing it as a career. And 4. There is a high number of teachers leaving the profession. Schools are having to change their recruitment tactics and packages in order to compete with increasing global competition for teacher talent. UK teachers are often the most sought after from our clients. 94% of school leaders cited recruitment as challenging and less than a third reported always being able to get highly qualified staff. And whilst international schools draw on the local teaching talent pool, many parents have an expectation that international teachers provide a better standard of education, thus placing increased pressure on schools to recruit international teachers in fact, 93% of schools reported that the recruitment of international teachers is either very important or somewhat important. Additionally, incoming teachers were asked whether they were aware of international teaching opportunities in the international sector when they first began their training. Respondents were split among evenly. 48% said they were aware. British international schools are working with companies such as the International Teacher Partnership to facilitate recruitment and staffing. So that's a little bit about teaching abroad as a teacher in the UK. Obviously, we won't have time to play the full article like I had planned, but it gives you a little bit of an idea that you as a teacher, if you're from the United Kingdom, 
are desired as a teacher abroad. It's something that they want. People want people who have gotten their degree in the UK, learned the system here, and are willing to teach students abroad. So I thought that was a really interesting article that I thought maybe all of you would be interested in. Now, I want to cut to Twitter, as I was saying before, the little report break there. Um, so this is from Zoe. Zoe said, good. I the good things are uh, she loves her coastline, wonderful international community and setting in France. So getting into used to her life in France. And the bad things are the language was a bit of a struggle, which is true for most people. And I'll give a little tip about that in a moment at first. But so there was also so much politics going on, I think, around Brexit and things of that nature, which made it difficult for her and her family living in France. So I'm sorry to hear that. Politics are another thing that you have to face sometimes when you're, you're a teacher abroad. And it's too bad that the politics of our own country sometimes can affect us teaching abroad. But that's the way it is, you know. So teaching abroad, what do we what do I think about it? Well, I think it does help to learn a little bit of the language before you go. But do you need to know the language? This is a question I get asked all the time. If I go to be a teacher, Caleb, in China, will I need to know the language? And the answer for China is absolutely not or Korea, for that matter. I looked into both. You don't need to know the language, actually. You can go there with little to no understanding of the language. In fact, they'd rather you didn't know the language because they don't want you to speak their native language to them. They want you to speak English and they want you to force the student to have to speak English to you. Now, that seems harsh to some people, I, I'll admit. But if you were a person abroad in a country, no one's maybe necessarily going to know English or, or the language you speak. So you actually do have to get used to being in a situation where maybe no one speaks the language. So in that way, I do agree with it. I know it can seem a bit harsh, but... The students do adapt very quickly. You will see, especially the younger they are, the qu more quickly they'll adapt and mimic and learn the words. And, you know, they had lots of little dictionaries, visual dictionaries and written dictionaries to help them so they could look up the word if they wanted to ask me. And that gets them used to doing something they'll need to do as a, a speaker of another language, you know, learning to use a dictionary. Uh, people say you don't need to use a paper dictionary more, anymore. It's all digital. Well, you know, what if you had a situation like today where I was in, where my internet cut out, my power cut out, and you're in a abroad and you can't speak the language but you have a basic grasp of it you know the the phonetics of the language the syntax things of that nature and you know how to speak the words but you need to look up the words while having a dictionary a phonetic dictionary even uh we used to have pinyin dictionaries pinyin is the english written out version of of chinese or mandarin if you will uh, cantonese as well so you know we could look at that pinyin dictionary and we can find a word like chen which means money and it would teach you how to pronounce it using English letters and English uh, symbols like a circumflex, accentigue, uh, things like that, which is you know more of a French symbol. But if you, they, if you know how that what that symbol means, it can teach you the phonetics basically of the language. So I think having a dictionary is a really good tip. Having a paper dictionary, a little pocket one, carrying that around with you. I used to carry around with me as well. I would have uh, my address on a little tag that I put around my neck on a chain like a dog tag. And I would show that to my driver. It was written in Chinese and in English. So on one side, it was in English and on the other side, it was Chinese. And I had like five or six of the most used things or the things I thought I was going to use that night on that little chain. I also carried around a little, um, like a, a bigger keychain with more terms and, and different things written in Chinese and English. Our school provided us with that. And that was a really great thing. So if I was to su suggest something that will help you have a little keychain of, of printed out laminated common phrases and words that you're going to use. And the most important ones, I would put them on like a very simple, it doesn't have to be an expensive chain. Mine was like a stainless steel chain that I wore around my neck. And also I had my name is and my little bit of medical information. I'd wear that on a bracelet. Nowadays, you can probably carry it on your smartwatch, but to have it on a bracelet, if it's a serious medical thing written in the language of that country, that's a really important tip as well. I mean, I could sit here and give you tips all day. Another tip I would give is to really watch out for your housing accommodations and things of that nature when you move abroad. Uh, make sure you know you hold the company to what they say they're going to do. If they say you're going to live in a certain kind of apartment, you force them to give you that certain kind of apartment because, you know, that's a part of the deal. Don't feel like you're being stubborn or tough or, or you know, something of that nature. They would expect it if they came to where you lived and you should expect it as well. You know, it's just fair to expect that you get what you were promised. So if they showed you a picture of an apartment, uh, I know lots of people who have gone to China have been shown a picture of an apartment with a company that wasn't as good as mine. And then they ended up in a situation, you know, that wasn't so good. They ended up in an apartment they hated, uh, you know, with maybe a more Asian style toilet or, you know, um, 
a hard bed because in China they like to sleep on wooden beds and that can be difficult to adjust to. I slept on a wooden bed. I didn't mind it. My wife slept literally on a board. That's what she slept on when she was in China. You know, um, her company was very different from mine. My company tried to make it kind of like a little bit as many Western experiences as possible whilst living in China. Um, maybe if that's better set for you, maybe a company like hers that just throws you in the heat of the situation might be better. So we're going to cut to a word from our lovely sponsors. They make our show possible, obviously. So we're going to play what they have to say. And yeah, I hope you've been enjoying the show so far. This is Caleb Merchant, the Sunday brunch show here on Teachers Talk Radio. You can find me on Twitter at KDM underscore drama wizard, all one word. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook if you're a friend of mine. Uh, you'll follow, find me there. If you'd like to message me on there, of course, I can find your messages on there. And you can follow our Teachers Talk Radio Twitter page and us on the Podbean app. Again, we're talking about teaching abroad. Where are the pros? Where are the cons? What do you think? Get involved in the conversation. My name's Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teacher Talk Radio, the Sunday Brunch Show. Thank you for listening. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Following reports earlier this week of the UCAS announcement that 2020 to 2021 saw a surge in applicants to university from students from disadvantaged backgrounds, one of Greater Manchester's universities revealed data showing that nearly 99% of its students last year fell into one or more of the five core underrepresented groups. In a report in the Manchester Evening News, the University of Bolton highlights figures showing that last year, 28% of applicants were from disadvantaged areas, up from 17% in 2013. University bosses say that these figures show that the university is helping students climb the social and economic ladder. The university's Vice-Chancellor, Professor George E. Holmes, said the University of Bolton is proud to have one of the most diverse and inclusive student populations in the UK. Widening participation projects take place across the UK and are designed to improve access, success and progression for underrepresented groups in higher education. The Birmingham Live News website reports on Birmingham City Council's leaders' plea to leave Trojan Horse in the past. It follows calls by the Muslim Council of Britain, as well as teachers and governors, for a public inquiry into events that unfolded in Birmingham schools in 2014, after concerns were expressed that the events caused lasting and negative impact on local Muslims and perceptions of their faith. There are also calls for a public apology to those caught up in the affair. Trojan Horse was the name given to an alleged plot by hardline Islamists to take over some Birmingham schools. The alleged plot was revealed by the Birmingham Mail after an anonymous letter claimed dirty tricks were being used to oust non-Muslim staff from city schools. 
Four separate inquiries were launched at the time, including probes by Birmingham City Council, the Department for Education and Ofsted. No evidence of extremism or of a plot were found. Birmingham City Council's deputy leader, Councillor Bridget Jones, in charge of city schools in 2014, says the city has long since moved on, whilst others claim the issue is unresolved and that investigations at the time were rooted in Islamophobia. The issue has been raised again following a podcast by the New York Times probing the origins of the letter which kick-started the investigations. In the Channel Island of Guernsey, plans for a new sixth form centre and the closing of one of the island's state high schools have been delayed by a year. The new secondary model had been due to start by September 2024, but the Committee for Education, Sport and Culture said the decision to delay was made after talking to the construction industry. Education President Andrea Dudley-Owen said in a BBC News report, it's more important that we get it right rather than rushing to meet an arbitrary deadline. It is another delay for parents, pupils and staff on what has been a decade-long process of transforming secondary education on the island, a process that has seen promises made by committees which have then not come to fruition. In a research paper published on the FIS.org website, it suggested that pre-primary education played a protective role against COVID learning losses in sub-Saharan Africa. In a study of more than 2,600 children in Ethiopia, researchers found that among pupils who entered primary education immediately after schools reopened, learning losses were far less severe if they'd been in pre-primary education prior to the pandemic. The learning deficit among children without pre-primary experience was four times greater. However, the study also shows that pre-primary education was also the most neglected part of the Ethiopian government's COVID education response. Full details of the study can be found on the FISORG website. The study was commissioned through the World Bank's Early Learning Partnership and undertaken by the University of Cambridge, Addis Ababa University and the Ethiopian Policy Studies Institute. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. Hello and welcome back. This is Caleb Merchant, Teachers Talk Radio Sunday Brunch Show. Today we're talking about teaching abroad. What are the pros? What are the cons? What do you like about teaching abroad if you currently teach abroad? What do you wonder about about teaching abroad? I'm going to play you a moment some of the pros and cons of teaching abroad, I think. A little article. We won't have time for many more articles today, so... I just wanted to play maybe one last article to you, talk a little bit, do a little, talk a little bit about the closing, you know, and yeah, that'll be our show for today. So I'm going to play you the pros and cons of teaching abroad. Again, we had a short show today because I don't know what the weather's like where you are in the UK right now, but the weather here is is a bit up and down again, and we've lost power the past couple of days and had it again. So I want to apologize for that. But, you know, next week we'll be better, hopefully, as they always say, and we won't lose power again. Again, my name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio, the Sunday Brunch Show. Follow me on Twitter at KDM underscore Drama Wizard. You can find me on Facebook if you're one of my friends. You can message me on there. Um, and, yeah, that's how you can find me. My name is Caleb DeMerchant. Again, this is the Sunday Brunch Show. We're talking about the pros and cons of teaching abroad. Speaking of which, quickly, we're going to quick uh, go to Twitter. I'm going to read a response from someone named Freya. She said, I'm in Italy. The pros, work-life balance, climate, culture. It is a nice climate in Italy, by the way. I loved it. My visit to Italy. Uh, pace of, I don't know what she means by that. Pace of life, I think she means. Pace of life, yeah. Pace of life, not peace of life. Amazing pupils, con, for her. Everything is much more independent. So in Italy, she's saying things are very, very independent. I, I can't speak to the Italian system. I do have a friend who teaches in Switzerland. And he told me that in Switzerland, you know, it's uh, kind of more supportive than he thought in the UK. He worked in the UK as well. Um, for me, it was much more supportive in the UK than in China. China was a lot less supportive for me personally. Uh, I, I much more enjoyed that aspect of teaching here. And there were things I enjoyed about teaching in China, of course. I love my students wherever I teach, and that's always a pro. Uh, uh, the culture in China was really nice to experience, and the differences. You know, you're going to find pros and cons wherever you go. So how about we play this little article to kind of round off the show, and then, yeah, we'll have our ending preamble. Participate Learning, November 15th, 2018. The Pros and Cons of Teaching Abroad. Guest post by Kelly Finch an American teacher who taught in Costa Rica. As teachers, we're lucky now to have the option to do what we love anywhere in the world. 
With so many organisations in different countries looking for international teachers, it has never been easier to teach abroad. Of course, these experiences come with their ups and their downs. Teaching abroad can be an amazing experience, but can be very challenging as well. I came to Costa Rica nine years ago to teach English at a high school for at-risk teenagers. My first few months were hard. I was fortunate enough to be living in a supportive community with four other people from my country, and with their help, I stuck out for the first semester. After that, something clicked and I fell in love with teaching abroad. Looking back on my experience in Costa Rica that first year, and now reflecting on my experience working with international teachers who come and teach in the US with participate learning, I've come up with a few of the pros and cons of teaching abroad. Pros of teaching abroad. You learn about other cultures. Being immersed in a different culture is a fascinating experience. Every day you can learn or try something new. In my first year teaching in Costa Rica, I was able to try new foods, visit new places, practice a new language, and meet people with different ways of thinking and living. Now I'm able to share what I know about Costa Rican culture with people from other places around the world, and it has enriched my knowledge and life in a way that studying about that culture from afar never could. Two, you're able to share your own culture I remember in that first year in Costa Rica, I planned a Thanksgiving celebration with my students. We talked about why we celebrate Thanksgiving in the United States, and they shared their thoughts and ideas with me about this holiday after learning about it. It was so interesting to see my own culture through the eyes of many Costa Rican students. Being immersed in this new culture allowed me to rediscover my own culture and appreciate it in a way I had never before. Three you'll become a better teacher. When you teach abroad, you gain professional experience with different kinds of students, colleagues, and school communities. You can learn about the new education system and will need to adapt to the way things are done at your school in that country. This makes you more flexible and tolerant. It forces you to be a team player and ask questions, creating positive relationships with your coworkers. These qualities don't apply only to the classroom. They also help you grow as a person. After my first year in Costa Rica, I remember reflecting on this experience and I felt that I'd grown in so many ways, both personally and professionally. And we're just going to call that article short there, unfortunately, because we are running out of time on today's show. Again, you can find the article online. That's where I found most of them, and we cited them at the beginning of each article. That was a great article about living abroad and teaching in Costa Rica. And I, I think it really harped about many of the things that I've said already today, that if you're going to teach abroad, you're not just going to teach the language of English or whatever language you might be teaching. You might not even just teach that subject that you're teaching. You have to also learn their culture and to teach about your own culture. So she taught them about Thanksgiving. I had to teach about all the holidays, Christmas, uh, New Year's, so on and so forth. So I'm just going to do our ending ramble now. Thank you for listening to the show. Again, my name is Caleb Demerch, and you can find me at KDM underscore Drama Wizard on Twitter. You can, of course, listen to us here on the Podbean app. You can listen to us on one of your favorite podcast apps, obviously, when the show is posted up and done. And I just want to thank you all again for listening and getting involved in the conversation. If I didn't get time to really read your Twitter response or your Facebook response, I'm very sorry. We did have some technical difficulties today. We are having quite a windy day again here in the UK. Uh, hopefully it all ends before Monday and we all have to return back to work. So what is it like to be an EAL? Is it worth it to be an EAL teacher? It is worth it. Of course it is. You can have great experiences. It makes you very employable. You get to learn about a different culture. You get to see things around the world. Of course, you will miss your friends and your family. I do every day. But it is indeed worth it to become a teacher abroad and meet wonderful students and people and cultures and just enjoy this very peaceful world that we have right now and to just enjoy the world the way it is. We're very lucky to live in such a great and peaceful time that we can go to each other's cultures and see each other's worlds and just enjoy each other's ways of living and being. And I hope some of you can go be teachers in Canada. I, I said it's very difficult, but again, I hope many of you get the chance to go and be teachers there if you're not from Canada, especially to teach the students about your wonderful way of living and your wonderful culture. I just want to thank you all again for listening today. 
My name's Caleb DeMerchant. Remember, if you're an EAL teacher, you're not just an, e an English teacher or whatever language you might teach teacher. You are a culture teacher and you are a representative of where you're from. So please represent yourself in the best way you can because you want to make, obviously, your family, friends, and ancestors proud of you. As we say where I come from, our ancestors are always watching us. Shout out again to Perth Andover and my friends at Tobik First Nation, Brett McPhail, who teaches there. Thank you for your response. And thank you to everyone who joined in today. My name is Caleb DeMerchant. This is Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you for your lovely responses, everyone. And thank you for writing in. And that's our show for this week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening. See you next week.